0: Welcome to the Wealthsteading Podcast. This is episode 332. Today is July 18th, 2021. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, hey, I just wanna put out a quick episode and address some of the concerns I'm hearing about Wells Fargo and how they've recently announced they're gonna be terminating or shutting off all the personal lines of credit that they've had out there. This has appeared not only in the mainstream media, but a lot of the alternative media, particularly the gloom and doom types, are running with this. And you're seeing the typical clickbait, fear-mongering, bedwetting, chicken little headlines about how this is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, the banking system's going to collapse. The U.S. dollar going to lose its reserve currency status. The stock market's going to crash. The typical nonsense story that never happens, that I've literally been hearing. Long before there was ever social media, I heard these same type stories back since the late 1960s. And the best thing that I've done with that advice or those stories is just ignore it and focus on my own wealth and create products and services that are valuable so that I could become gainfully employed and then go on and create my own company so that I could be an entrepreneur and obviously along the way, always investing in other companies that are creating these valuable products and services. That's how you build wealth. You ignore all the static and all the noise and all the nonsense. And I know recently, these reopening stocks, the COVID-90 portfolio that I'm always talking about, the core holdings that I have in banks and energy and material and industrial type companies, the things that I own because they're rock solid companies and they pay a dividend, Or they're these smaller companies that got hindered because of the COVID shutdowns, but now they're going to be favored by the reopening. And I know those things have pulled back. That's why I've been buying the dips. They're off the record highs, but they're still, in most cases, significantly, significantly, significantly above where they were prior to the election. There's a number of reasons why I think we've seen a pullback, either in these smaller reopening-type stocks or in the larger sectors like materials, energy, banking. I mean, these are all cyclical stocks that benefit as an economy comes out of a recession. And I think a lot of people are worried about the brakes being put on the recovery and on the reopening because of the variance of COVID. I've talked about that before. Listen, I don't think that we're gonna see lockdowns that are gonna shut down the economy again. And that's really the bottom line on what hurt the economy last year wasn't the virus itself. It was the mandatory shutdowns. And I don't think you're going to see on huge regional basis, big states or federal governments locking down like they did last year. And so we will emerge out of this. Markets adjust, people adapt. Will it get delayed by a couple weeks, a couple months, a quarter or two? I have no idea. But the companies that did so well At the end of last year and at the beginning of this first quarter, companies that are going to be benefited from the reopening, I am fully invested in them, I continue to buy them on these dips, and there's no doubt in my mind that they are going to emerge out of this successfully simply because the economy will be reopened. You know, six weeks ago, the world was coming to an end because lumber prices were so sky-high, record levels never seen before. I didn't worry about that. I ignored the headlines because I went in and I dug into the data and I saw that even though lumber prices were skyrocketing, timber prices weren't. It wasn't that the world was suffering from a shortage of the raw material. It was simply a bottleneck in the manufacturing process occurring at the sawmills and the distribution points. But there's plenty of trees. There's plenty of timber. Those prices never went up or they didn't go up much. When you see something like that, you know it's just a temporary bottleneck arbitrage situation and it'll work itself out. And it did. If you don't believe me, go look at the current spot price and future contracts on lumber. Those sky-high prices have collapsed. You're not seeing it yet at Home Depot or Lowe's, but you will. The supply just has to work its way through the system. Now, I'm not saying that Everything out there in the stock market is a buy. I'm talking specifically about the reopening type stocks and the major cyclical type sectors. The energies, the banking sectors, materials. That stuff, I think, has a runway that could run for another two years. It's got to take that long at least to get back to normal. Where I do think the bubbles are, where prices have come down 50% or more, and I think have further to drop, is in the speculative side of things. In those meme stocks that have no value, or in the shutdown favored type companies that are one trick ponies. You've heard me talk about them? Exercise bike companies, video conferencing companies. They got way overvalued during the shutdowns. All those speculative things I think have further to drop, and that would include things like crypto. But the core of what I own, I'm holding on to because I'm resting on significant gains. And I know that those companies are not only going to benefit from reopening in general, from when the economies of the world get back to normal, but even more so than that, their profits are going to be driven by productivity. You've heard me talk about that time and again. Just on Friday, I put out a blog alert notice where I quoted an article from the Wall Street Journal. I think it came out early last week. It talked about doing things not only with automation or robots or changes in process, All of these things that have been long-term trends, I talked about them way back when I wrote my book, The Robots Are Coming. You know, back in 2016, I wrote that book. It's even more relevant today than it was then because the shutdowns and COVID took those trends that were happening anyways and pulled them forward. That Wall Street Journal article specifically named, I think, four or five companies that are in my covid 90 portfolio talked about how they had reduced employees and headcount to consultants over the last year, and they weren't planning on bringing those people back. And that all adds to the bottom line. And so that's why I am even more enthusiastic about corporate profits going forward. It's not only that the economy is gonna reopen and we're gonna get back to where we were, it's that when we get back to where we were, these corporations will do it with less employees. And less employees adds to the bottom line because employees account for about 60% of a company's expenses. Now, that's bad news for the unemployed and the furloughed workers. I feel sorry for them. I feel their pain. I remember them in my prayers. But at the same time, I'm enthusiastic and I'm loading up on these companies that are going to profit in the future because of those productivity and that profit improvement outcome from reducing headcount. So no, I'm not at all worried in the volatility we're seeing this summer, not as long as you're invested in the right stocks. Ah, but I digress. In this episode, I just wanted to really quickly mention all the hysteria that's going on right now about Wells Fargo and how they're eliminating and getting out of offering personal line of credit loans. You know, the media has been talking about this like crazy, or or at least for their 24-hour cycle, then they move on to something else, but... They just want to blabber about something to fill up airtime, and then that encourages the gloom and doom alternate media, people that want to put out clickbait or attract an audience by claiming that there's a crisis right around the corner, and they point to this Wells Fargo event. Listen, it's all nonsense. It's all BS. It's all clickbait. It's all hysteria. Wells Fargo is primarily eliminating that line of credit because those loans on a risk-adjusted basis, are not very profitable. And when you combine that with the fact that in most cases, these type loans, not only at Wells Fargo, but across many banks, I know J.P. Morgan did it, back during the depths of the COVID-19 crisis, they put a moratorium on these personal lines of credit because they were a high-risk factor. And so the genie's already out of the bottle. These type things have either been canceled or put on hold. And so it gives Wells Fargo an excuse to get out of that business without getting a lot of criticism. And the most important aspect of this, and really what's driving the whole thing, is that Wells Fargo continues to be under sanctions from the Federal Reserve to limit how much money they can loan. And the reason for this is because of all the shenanigans and the criminal behavior that Wells Fargo has engaged in for the last, you know, decade or so. So I'm no fan of Wells Fargo here. I don't think they're a great institution. I think many of the things they've done are absolute fraudulent activities. And if you or I had engaged in them, we would be in jail. But Wells Fargo executives are part of that club with a get out of jail free card. That's just the reality of the situation. But in terms of them stopping these personal line of credit loans, that just allows them to take their reserves and lend out more money to loans that have less of a chance of the default, and that come at higher profit margins. This is just about money. It has absolutely nothing, nothing to do with the stability of the banking system. And if you're getting your information from websites or news agencies or social media that tells you that it does, then maybe you should rethink where you get your information. Let me tell you something. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the United States banking system. You can't say that about Europe. You can't say that about many places in Asia, but you can say that about the United States. The system is as solid now as it's ever been. These big companies have just now, over the past couple weeks or couple months, are authorized to rebuy back their stocks and increase their dividends. You combine that with the fact that the spread in interest rates will be continuing to rise as we reopen the economy, and you have what I believe is almost a guarantee for increased profits and higher stock prices. That's why I continue to own bank stocks. There's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of things I can't predict because I can't see into the future. But something I do know is that the banking system in the United States is rock solid and won't go out of business. They can't go bankrupt because they're too big to fail. you don't have to take my word for that. Look what happened during the last financial crisis in 2008. All the shenanigans, all the fake loans, all the fraud that had been rolled up into investment-grade quality financial instruments that was peddled across the world. No one in the banking industry went to jail, lost their job, or went bankrupt. They're too big to fail. They all got bailed out. And if you carry that forward to what we just saw with the COVID pandemic, the banks were all bailed out again. Well, they did learn their lesson. They learned a PR lesson from 2008 and from Too Big to Fail. The big banks this time around didn't accept money directly from the Federal Reserve and the federal government, but they still got bailed out. It was a hidden bailout. The Federal Reserve and the government just dropped helicopter money. They just gave everybody in the economy money to keep the skids of commerce moving. And you think they did that because they care about you, because they care about your small business, or about your job? or about the value of your real estate, no, they don't care about any of that. What the oligarchs care about is keeping the system running, and they do that by keeping the banks stable and flush with cash. And again, I'm specifically here talking about the U.S. oligarchs. I think the banking system, particularly in Southern Europe, and in lots of places in Asia, is in trouble. But in terms of the U.S. bank and the U.S. oligarchs, they'll always be bailed out. And they'll never go bankrupt because they can always print the money that keeps them in business. You may not like that. You may want to change it. You may think it's going to change in the future. And maybe it will someday. But for now, I'm staying fully invested in the U.S. banking system because over the near term, it isn't going anywhere but going to higher profitability. Well, hey, as always, thanks for listening. Until the next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.